Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. After the Apostle Paul has spoken to the church at Colossae about some of the great things that God has done for us in Jesus, he has translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his dear son. We are no longer under the dominion of Satan. We are now under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and if we allow him to, he will rule and reign in our lives, and he will give us a taste of heaven here on earth. You see, fellowship with Jesus is really what this life is all about, walking with God, walking in obedience. And many times I have had people say to me, what really is the mark of maturity? Many times they're asking me that because they have something in mind. They've gone through certain training courses. They've been a Christian a certain amount of time. Let me just tell you that maturity in the Bible, maturity in the Christian life, is being like Jesus. When we think like him, when we walk like him, when we talk like him, when we obey the Father as he does, when we walk in the word and we answer all of life's questions based upon the authority of the word of God. Remember the Old Testament, the Tanakh, the law, the prophets, and the writings. In the Hebrew division, that's the way they are delineated. That's the only Bible that Jesus had. That's the only Bible that Peter had. That's the only Bible that Paul had. It's the only Bible that John the Baptist had. You've got to remember, with that portion of the Word of God, they preached Jesus to the world, the Greco-Roman world in which they lived. And so Jesus is in the Tanakh, but he is unveiled in the New Covenant, in the Berit Hadashah, in what we call the New Testament. Many of the mysteries that were hidden, hidden in the heart and mind of God, are made plain through the apostle to the Gentiles, and that is the apostle Paul, a Jewish rabbi from Tarsus. His name was Saul. And after his conversion, he went by the name Paul, and God gave him a special commission to the Gentiles. And you can read about that in the book of Acts. You can read about it throughout Paul's writings. But Paul is the one that unveiled many of the mysteries. Did Jesus know about them? Of course he did. After all, he is God. Even the angels didn't know how some of these things were going to come about. They heard what the prophets prophesied. They many times watched them write these things down. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all of these great prophets that wrote about the Messiah, according to what the scripture itself says in 1 Peter chapter 1, they themselves didn't understand all that they were writing down. They would write down something and they knew 
you, it would have a dual fulfillment. Or it would be obfuscated to them so that they could not really understand what was about to take place. But they knew that God would be faithful to his promise and everything that he said was going to happen was indeed going to happen. But they wrestle with it because, for instance, Isaiah would prophesy about the suffering, obedient servant of God Almighty about his cruel death as a substitution, for instance, in Isaiah 53. That's not the nation of Israel. That's not just another Israelite. That's the Messiah. And when you read through that, it's obvious that he dies a substitutionary death. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was uh, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. On and on and on the scriptures go, but yet... Isaiah would prophesy of a great ruler, a great Messiah that would come and rule the earth, and he would rule with a rod of iron, and none could come against him. And so they would scratch their spiritual heads and say, I don't know what all of this means, but I know God's going to do it. And so God revealed to them, according to that passage in First Peter chapter 1, that it was not to them, but unto us, a future generation. And we are that future generation that they were writing these things. And the Apostle Paul, more than any other of the apostles, unfolded the great mysteries of God. And we've been looking at just a few of those this week. But when you read about what Paul said that God has done for us in Christ and how that he is saving the Gentiles, how he's calling out from among the Gentiles, Gentiles. That was unthinkable. That was unheard of because the covenants were given to the Jews. The oracles of God, Romans chapter 3, the word of God, the very words of God were written down by the Jews. Without the Jews, we would not have the Bible. We would not have the great promises that God made to Abraham and his people. We would not have the great template of worship that we do today. Everything that has to do with God himself and his revelation a man we owe to the Jewish people. And we owe them a great debt. That's why we must honor them, because we would not be here without them. We are grafted in to the root, not the other way around. And so we owe them a great debt. But the Apostle Paul comes to the sacrificial death of Jesus and the Gentiles being grafted in. And in Colossians 1 and verse 24, he says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the affliction of Christ. That's for another podcast. For the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the dispensation or the stewardship or what was given unto me from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. And then there's a comma and he says the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations. That is, in times past, this was hidden, just like the rapture that I talked about just yesterday, just like the mystery of the Jew and the Gentile becoming one body in what we call the church. 
He says, it was hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to the saints. Yes, God has revealed to those of us who are his followers. And how would that happen? To them, God will to make known. To who? To his saints. To them, he will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And this is it which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, that's an amazing statement. This is the mystery of how God did it all. God would come to live in the life of every believer. That's right. Even the weakest believer, the poorest believer, the youngest believer, the oldest believer, anyone that makes the decision drawn by the Spirit of God and made alive by the Spirit of God, and who puts their trust in God alone and in the substitutionary death of Jesus, the moment that happens, the instant that happens, they are baptized into the body of Christ. They are immersed into the body of Christ. They become a part of the great body of Christ, which includes believers all over the world. However, that is just part of it. God comes to live inside of the believer, and he comes to live forever, not just for a time, but forever. When you turn back to the Gospel of John and that last Passover meal, Jesus is with his disciples, and they have already had the supper, and Jesus is talking to them, and they are in heavy discussion. And Jesus said in John fourteen fifteen, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, not another heteros of a different kind, but alos of the same kind, another helper, another parakletos, one called alongside to help, that he may abide, that he may dwell with you forever. Who is that? You may ask, notice the hyphen and then verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, those outside of Jesus cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him and he dwells with you. After all, the father Jesus had just told Philip, he said, Philip, have I been so long with you that you don't understand it? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus is declaring oneness with the Father. The Spirit of God is one with the Father. He is one with the Son. Now, my little peanut brain and yours cannot get a hold of that, but that's the way the Bible presents the God of the ages, a triune God, not three gods, one God, but he is presented in three different persons. Distinct, yes, but all one. But you will, you know him, for he dwells with you, that's who Jesus is. Jesus dwelt with them. He was with them. His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Spirit of God completely 
controlled everything that Jesus did. You can just read the words of Jesus and he'll tell you that. Everything that Jesus did was controlled by the Father. He said, I do nothing of myself, only that which I see my Father do. And so many, many mornings, Jesus would, a great way before dawn, go into the mountains or come apart just he and the Father. And there he would get the mind of the Father, and he would then live it out and act it out in the life that he was living in the day that was upon him. But he says, you will know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Yes, that's what it says, in you. In other words, God is going to come and live inside. When you continue to read this, the Bible says a little while longer, this is verse 19, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live, you will also live. He's talking about his resurrection. And listen to this, at that day you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. I in you. Listen to this. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. He says this over and over again. I'm telling you, this obedience thing, God's really serious about. And look what it says. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will make myself real to him. What is the mystery that Paul was talking about in the book of Colossians. Well, certainly the context was that the Gentiles would be saved. But the fact is, God would come to live in the life of every believer, Jew or Gentile, and it would make no difference about ethnicity, about what their pedigree was. Because you see, God is the God of the whole earth. That's what the prophet Isaiah said. He did understand that. In the Old Testament, in the Tanakh, the Spirit of God would come upon Samson, but leave Samson. The Spirit of God would come upon Saul, but leave Saul. Even David, a man after God's own heart, prayed in Psalm 51, Oh God, I've sinned. Please do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Listen to me, follower of Jesus. Listen to me, child of God. Listen to me, fellow brother and sister in Jesus. You and I will never have to pray, God, don't leave me. Please don't forsake me. God will never forsake you. He lives inside of you. He loves you. You may have to have his discipline. You may fall out of fellowship with him, and we all will when we sin. But when we sin, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. That means he will do it every time, and he's just in doing it. He will forgive our sin. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's his faithful promise. How can he do that? Because the Lord Jesus died to save us and to forgive all of our sins. And as we walk with him in obedience, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. What is the mystery Paul was talking about, which is the hope of glory? It is that God lives in the life of every believer. I pray this is an encouragement to you as you walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. 
Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.